What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. I definitely enjoy having it. It's helpful. Yeah. Simple. I'm really looking forward to carrying it in to the backcountry more this year. Oh, yeah. Because last year I carried my laptop and my Blue Yeti mic. And that has like a combined weight of probably like seven or nine pounds. (laughs) Here's why you do what you do. Yeah. And why I don't do what you do. (laughs) Because there is no way... I have an RX100 Sony camera, and I'm yeah. like, this dang thing's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I think my camera and three lenses that I'll take with us on this trip mm-hmm. probably weighs somewhere around 18 pounds. Get out. I'm pretty sure. <sighs> maybe Maybe 12, but... Somewhere in that in that ballpark. So you should not, for all intents and purposes, beat me up any mountain. I might, though. Uh, you better not. Or I'm going to feel real bad. <laughs> because you've trained hard. Yeah. Like, I'll be fine. You're, you're killing it on the yeah. training, though. Yeah, cardio's good. No cardio's good. good. Cardio, no injuries. Yeah. Uh, working on the IT bands are all good. Calves are loose. Got a little bit of uh, plantar fasciitis in my left foot, but uh-huh. it was in both, and that's definitely um, uh, come a long way. I'm using that massage, you know, the jigsaw there. That I was checking out earlier. <laughs> I need to get, like, I've seen an advertisement for that on Instagram ads. Yeah. And, like, now actually using one, I'm like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. They're, now it makes sense. My buddy has the legit one. He didn't buy the seven hundred dollar one. He re- Google searched it, and the one yeah. that came up five stars. I mean, like, like I've used like, jigsaws with attachments. Yeah, and like I mean, other than blade attachments. Yeah, but never with a massage. Yeah, attachment, and that's like. He bought one that was rated by on Google like five stars. It was like two hundred seventy five bucks Canadian, so three hundred bucks Canadian would be like two hundred bucks for you. Yeah, and I we used it all the way on that goat hunt that I was those guys in the truck and it uh-huh. has a 12 volt DC charger you just plug it in and it's way more user friendly you're mm-hmm. not gonna accidentally you know drive it through your jab yourself to death yeah. with it I did that um, once or twice we got a time for me to grab a do whatever you want man unhook from your beard mic <laughs> I'll just cut this silent part out Give that bad boy a crack. There we go. There it is. Pre pre hunt trip beer. Right. The last one till. You're not packing any up with this. No, I don't pack booze ever. <laughs> never. Yeah. I uh, shouldn't say never. That's a 
Uh, but if I do a solo trip, if I do outside of when Jason passed, that was probably the first. I took a little a little flask up and had a couple sips, and but that was it. Um, I've got friends that religiously don't go, even if it's a one day trip, they pack booze with them, and I don't. I just not your bag. Pardon? Not your bag. It, not into it, it doesn't help you, right? Yeah. It helps you sleep, but you're gonna feel up a little bit less dehydrated. You're gonna be a little bit dehydrated the next day. You know, yeah. you. It's it's a. What's uh, um, um, oh man? Drew a blank there. Inhibitor. Not an inhibitor. It's uh, it's like caffeine, right? It's, it's not good for your muscles. It's not not doing anything to help you rehydrate them or anything else. So, right. but I don't need it. I'd rather just stay sharp. But you know. no, I don't pack. Uh, pack booze uh we did on the goat trip but that was just did actually didn't we packed in 30 beer for three of us and didn't have a drop till after the hunt came back and but and i tell you that was really yeah again just try and stay sharp focused it's all part of it even when we drove up we pre-made sandwiches and we had you know healthy meals all the way up and tons of water and just went in literally you know guns blazing and then then after i got and kicked back Get back to camp and relax a little bit mm-hmm. after the work's been done. Yeah, yeah. It's, I it's, learned the hard way there this trip. Uh huh. Had to flush, turn lips and ears back the next day, and I, you know, I hadn't had a beer in like eighteen days, and I came back and I only got had maybe four or five, maybe six top beers over a couple hours that night. Holy cow! Felt like I'd been out, been out drinking all night and smoke. Oh, the next day, <laughs> we had to get flesh in that cape and split them lips and ears. I couldn't. I had a coffee, and I was like, I don't even know if I should have had that coffee. I was just, oh, I was a mess, and I was like, that was not a, not a wise choice. So, yeah, going forward, mental note to self: make sure all caping duties and fl- cape and uh, mountain duties are done. Yeah, before you get into the <laughs> celebration beers. But anyway, well, it's such a funny concept to me about you know, and if you hunt, you know this. And, and it's probably been talked about, but for outsiders or people that don't hunt, everyone always thinks the work is just killing the animal. And there's so much work that leads up to killing the animal. And then there's so much more work after the animal is down <clears throat> and what you have to do in order to get it off of the mountain. It's the important work that starts then. Yeah. Right. Well, you have meat care, you have everything going on. You have hide care, and that's that's like a real thing. It's because you can ruin your hide, and if you wanted a shoulder mount or a full body mount, mm-hmm. or if you poke a million holes in it while you're skinning it out, like that's problematic. Yeah, you know, there's lots of that stuff that can be fixed, but yeah, I think the well, the age old saying, and my dad used to say it for years: the work starts when the trigger gets pulled. Yeah, right. It's the work button. Yeah, but there's. Uh, um, a lot of stuff can be fixed, but yeah, if you don't get that hide fleshed out, I, I learned a really from a buddy of mine last year skinning out a bear. He guided for bears for a lot of years. And we were sharing the, we were caping this thing out for a rug, and uh, and and I was going way faster than he was, and then I kind of glanced at him, and I, I'm like, oh, I'm leaving way more meat on my hide than you are, mm-hmm. and he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, my outfitter made us slow down and take slow cuts yeah. and just and 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 why make sure that it's just the raw hide yeah yeah and he said and i said yeah but your tax numbers is going to do that and he goes it doesn't matter it's pride you know in your job it's a job they're doing right and uh yeah when we didn't when we did those goats um <clears throat> well the one goat we didn't the nanny had really really poor hair it was half inch tops she had uh 
uh, worn out teeth. She was 11 years old and uh, probably wouldn't have made the winter. But uh, we didn't keep the, chi- the hide. He, my buddy said it's, it's not going to be a nice mount. He could, it's going to be a euro and that's it. When we did the billy, uh, same thing. I just slowed down and I got going kind of fast at first and slowed down. And I remembered my, you know, my buddy with his cape and that bear and kind of just slowed down about a notch too. I think it took maybe 10 minutes longer. Mm-hmm. It was so much less work the next day. Yeah. So much less. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've never seen that done this year. I've never seen that done until this year when we were in the White Mountains chasing those desert rams. And Jake was so meticulous about separating all the skin off the hide mm-hmm. when he was skinning him out. Um, I think it's like anything. Yeah. It, 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 slow down take your time do it right the first time kind of a thing yeah or take I, a i had never seen it before though and and like to watch him do that i was like take I've a little bit extra time now thought about to it. save you a whole bunch of time later yeah you know another cool or your story. taxidermist extra work or whatever yeah they get frustrated right and yeah. some of them will charge so if it's a poor caping job they'll add 50 bucks or 100 bucks to a bill mm-hmm. interesting note here's a really cool one. my buddy calvin mclaren the guy that killed that on that goat hunt with me the nanny when he hunted with Bonnet Plume, um, I can't think of the guide's name, guided for him for quite a few years. He was nearing the end of his career. He was late 30s guiding. And um, uh, he, once he had the cape split up the spine, he used his fist and he drove his fist yeah. through. Did Jake do that? Yeah, and it separates it. Yeah. Really well. Like once you get that first layer, like the first, you know, six inches in, mm-hmm. then you can really start rolling your fist through it. That's what this guy did. And and separating it without having to use a blade. I'm curious. I want to, you know, I get dry skin on my hands, so I wear latex gloves. Do you wear latex gloves when you're doing? I'll do it if I'm doing like a coastal animal, like a pig or something oh. that's been in poison oak, because I don't want to get poison oak. Oh, is that the reason why you get it? Oh, interesting. That's why I'll do it. I get the blood and stuff gives me, my skin just dries out real quick, especially if you get a couple animals, like if you know you're in a moose camp or an elk camp or something. So I use the gloves and I started that way and then we just started taking a set on the mountain and yeah, now it's uh, just kind of a standard. I got two sets for now for this hunt and I may not even have to do any of that. Monty may not let me do any. Yeah. But anyway, which just throw one. I mean, that brings us to why we're here, I guess, mm-hmm. which is we're getting in the truck tomorrow. And we're driving to BC. I just came in from Salt Lake today. Yep. You picked me up at the airport. Edmonton, yep. Edmonton Airport. And we were leaving your home region. What do you, what do you call Alberta? Province. Province. There we go. <laughs> no freaking Americans. Yeah. Whatever. It's America. We got it's states. Canada. Yeah. It's cold it's little, up there. Yeah, it's colder. <laughs> the whole time on the flight... Oh, it's it's one degree Celsius or zero Celsius. I'm like, what does that convert to? I don't know this. <laughs> like, I should know this stuff. I'm 34 years old. I don't know any of this stuff. No, I'm just starting to get it, get it myself because I, yeah. I deal with so many Americans. On the, conver- on the conversion level. Yeah. Yeah. I got an app on my phone. Oh, that does it for you. Yeah. Cheater. Yeah. <laughs> you have to tell me that app. <laughs> but, so we're leaving tomorrow. Yeah. And we're driving to... We're going to do a straight shot right to Fort Nelson. We're going to take a little bit of a longer way, just purely to your first time outside of the States and in Canada, of all things, and uh, we can either drive a... I've been in, to Mexico before. Well, okay, sorry. Um, but that doesn't first count. First time to Canada, yeah. <laughs> the 
we could do one of two ways take it's a four a laner show. all the way up and uh just be boring and you know or we can just take a kind of a back route it's a yeah. two-lane highway and it goes through and it goes through rocky mountain house and then up to drayton valley and then up towards gp and we cross over uh, we're gonna pass what's called beaver lodge mm -hmm. and then we roll into bc and we'll hit uh, dawson creek then up to fort st john and then Fort Nelson, which is four hours from, roughly three to four hours from Fort St. John. And uh, we'll grab a hotel. Be, I'm going to guess 10 o'clock, maybe 11 o'clock by the time we get there. Mm -hmm. 9, 10. Depends what time we get rolling in the morning. Yeah. And how the roads are supposed to be snowing. It's going to make for a pretty drive, though. Yeah. Be fun. Be a nice drive. And then uh, we will um, grab a hotel, crash, and then we're going to be at the Fort Nelson Airport. I've got the details on my phone. We're going to stop at the Chadwick Ram, though. Right. Now, yes. will we do that on... In the morning. Monday or tomorrow? We won't get there in good daylight. Yeah. Monday morning. It's Monday quick, morning. It's, quick run. it's right in town, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it's right. We're at the end of our trip. Yep, exactly. Correct. Okay. Yeah, there's a museum there. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of a... I, you know, for Canadians, for, for our guys that are in BC or Alberta, they're going that way, or anybody going that way to hunt, even Americans, everybody stops the Chadwick Ram, gets a picture taken there. Check it out. Yeah. I'm kind of excited. We'll have to get to you a book, it. I mean, a book to read. You have to Google it on the way up there and do some research on it. Read the story yeah. of the Chadwick Ram. Yeah. I mean, looking at the pictures, the black and white photos of it, it's unreal. It's, it almost seems fake. It looks like Marco Polo. Yeah. Yeah. For a thin horn? Mm-hmm. How long were the horns? Oh, man. Don't ask me this stuff. You don't know? Off the, not anymore. Not off the top. You need to ask someone like Brendan Burns or anything. They'd rattle those numbers off to you. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that stuff just doesn't stick to my head. I, I can't remember. It's up in the Great Rams book there. I could pull it up, but I, I've read the whole story on it. But uh, it's a good story. It's a great ram, and great I, series I, of books. I don't think it's ever gonna. I don't think it's gonna be broke. I can't see how it can. I, you know, there's only. It's not uh, possible, really. I mean, maybe, but not really. Like I was talking with somebody here the other day, and I said, like, to even be in the top ten thin horns, you have to kill a ram of a hundred and I think one hundred eighty four is like the smallest ram to that Isn't from one ninety four. Then at ten. And so let's just even say the 180s. I don't even know of a ram been killed in BC, a stone sheep, in the 180s in 10 years. Really? And I, I think and the guy I was talking to said, yeah, 10 years ago, there was a 184 killed. So, you know, think of how long that wow. ram has been number one and will probably stand to be number one for a long time. Yeah. Until one majestic beast comes out of nowhere. Yeah, you know there is areas that where rams. Well, there's lots of mountains where rams never get, never even see a person, and they'll live and die on that mountain. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they're love just, to find that deadhead. Yeah, <laughs> love to just. I'd just love to find that ram. Right. <laughs> Hope it happens. Seriously. So we're gonna drive up mm -hmm. tonight. We kind of sat down and. Uh, Went through all of our gear. Yep. So I flew up. I packed my Icon Pro 6000 and loaded it with, I brought two pairs of pants, mm -hmm. two 145s mm -hmm. with hoods. Same. I brought three pairs of socks and then a short pair of socks. 
Uh, I brought the Peloton 240 hoodie or 200. Heavyweight uh, Peloton hoodie. Is it got the... Is it full zip or no? Full zip. 240. 240. Yep. Brought 240. Kenai vest. All my down. Down pro. Right. Not ultra down. Um, I brought North Face gloves. Trigger glommets. Uh, the new strong fleece liners. Or like right. 200. Yep. And then my old Peloton 200s. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested to see the difference in performance between those two gloves because the Peloton 200s were my favorite glove, hands down. Yeah, I liked them as well. And then they were discontinued. I just... Like uh, the Kenai zip-offs. Right. Those were, like, great. I know Uh, they're a little short calf. I think the problem was, I think, and I may be going on a limb, I'm going to go on a limb and say this, that the, the, the downfall of the Peloton 200 was its lack of durability. It'd get a season or two. Yeah. Maybe a season and a half. And a strong And that's, that's hunting 175 days a year, roughly. Yeah. So a lot of guys, I don't even know if guy, there were some, some people would get pilling and that kind of stuff on it and not be happy with that. They mm-hmm. wanted more and fairly, you know, maybe they wrote 20 days in a year and got pilling and stuff and weren't happy with that. So okay. that might've been the one complaint. So the strong fleece is exactly that. It's very durable. Yeah. Um, and I, from what I heard from Cody in the store I can navigate my phone mm-hmm. with the fingertips yeah. which is convenient no cell service here but sure if that's yeah. what's convenient for yeah. you well I mean like you said earlier Take pictures. all you guys in the states are always in service when yeah. you there's like. very few areas in Alberta uh, if you're in K country <laughs> that you, K country gets cell service quite high you hit about 9,000 feet out where I hunt and at 9,000 feet you get cell service again yeah. but we're typically not that high but yeah, no. And then uh, I'm running very similar system. Uh, I'm running the Pro Pant. I do have the Talus Pant with me as well. I threw that in last minute because being a horseback hunt, um, and I don't have chaps, and I got thinking, well, there's a gator on it from knee down, and weight's not really a big concern. We do have the luxury of being able to take a little more yeah, stuff. Saddle so, pants. Yeah, kind of a saddle pant. Let's see how that goes. Yeah. So actually, a lot of guys up in here in Canada I know have bought that pant that are either horseback guys or down south where they're not really wearing gaiters because uh, they're just, you know, down in the south, they don't get as much snow as we do, but they do have the brush and, you know, just that there's a lot of brush, less timber. So that pant is a, a really good thing for them. And I don't have a lot of time in the pant. It hasn't, I haven't found a real... I've used it a little bit, the Talus pant. I used it last year a bunch. I did as well, but I found it was either too warm in the season that I used it and I or found it wasn't warm, warm, warm enough. enough yeah so just to me the pro pant worked just as fine and then the axis pant worked a lot really well in the guide pant but um so I think this is a really good opportunity to, for me to get some time in it be able to speak to it a little more yeah and then uh yeah we'll zip off one more 145 bottom super down pro I only with two pairs of socks and uh I have two 145 zip t hoodies strong fleece 260 and then I have the Peloton 240. Haven't decided if I'm going to leave it in there or not. And then the Katana soft shell jacket. Um, and then Katana rain gear and Super Down Pro. Now, running a soft shell jacket in your kit, because something that I've struggled with in mine 
So did I. Is is having a soft shell. Yeah. And I realized that a lot last year. I didn't use. I hardly used my soft shell because when I was hiking, it's too hot. And when I stopped, I was in my down. And if it was really windy, I threw my NX over it. 100%. And that's why I've run that. Mm-hmm. What I found this year, the Strongly 260 is by far my favorite piece that I think we've made. I think it's the most uh, groundbreaking, innovative piece that I've seen come on the market. It's the first body mapped insulated mid layer that is durable. And I've spent a pile of time in it through uh, early season, like spring bear. And I spent a lot of time in it training, like standalone jogging, just running in it on cool mornings. And then just on a sheep hunt, the big horn, the Alberta big horn opener, I used it. And I also used it on this goat hunt. The, the biggest advantage of that thing is, is wearing a pack. And when we're hunting, we're typically trying to hunt, walk into the wind. So it's got more insulation on the ch- on the body of your upper torso and arms, but under the arms and the back has less, which is our high heat zones when it dump heat. I can wear that and rain gear and charge, like go hard. And the take it off, and I'm hardly sweated up. The only thing that I found was when it wasn't raining and wasn't winning, just it was a cold temp soap. It was just not enough because it was just cold. And I thought, man, if I had a light soft shell, the guide jacket's not that answer for me. It's just, it, it's, take, it doesn't compress. It is heavy by nature. It's very durable and has a great application, but it, it's too much. The Katana jacket's a very thin soft shell. I like the cut of it. It fits really well with the hood of the Strong Fleece 260 together. So, and it's more durable than the Peloton 240. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I haven't decided which I'm going to take yet. When get there, I'll kind of play that by ear. And if if Monty says we got all the room in the world, maybe I'll throw both in. If uh, yeah. if I feel like I got one, or it's just cool in the morning, and it, you know I can throw just that Katana jacket on. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen the Strong Fleece in the field yet at all. The and you did have it, you said, right? Strong Fleece 260. No, I I don't have it. I thought I did, but I don't have it. You know what? I have an extra one. Oh, okay. I should send it with you. Try it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, that that'd actually be really nice because then I could actually speak to it speak to it mm-hmm. no i have I, I liked it so much i bought a v2 and a vias one when they first launched mm-hmm. and i found myself walking around town and and going to the gym walking to the gym with it and stuff and and i actually was doing my warm-up in it yeah and uh i wore it all so much i was like i better get the solids so i ordered the green <laughs> and the black i got that's all i got four of them yeah. isn't that i found that so funny with so much gear that kuyu comes out with is like I'll get a camo version and then I'll get a solid version because for me it's so comfortable. It's like really good. Here's the problem clothing. that here's the next problem that I run into. Yeah. I might only have green katana pants mm-hmm. and then I buy the green on black strong fleece two sixty. Mm-hmm. Well that's like the faux pas fashion faux pas yeah, you're the green just on solid, I'm solid green top to top. So now yeah. I'm like, well dang it. I need to get the I really want the black now. Now yeah. I need the black so I can wear it with my green pants <laughs> and I can wear the green with Two sixty with my black pants, so that's. I know uh, Todd. Todd throws a lot of shade on on going full solid. Oh yeah, he yeah he bugged. I remember that too. I well, I call it the UPS man or the the mailman. <laughs> going full brown. Remember when we used to have yeah. just a brown guy jacket, a phantom jacket, and brown pants. I still and phantom I pant. still have phantom 
attack pants and a phantom yeah. guide jacket. You look like a TV repairman. Yeah. Yeah. I'm coming in hot. Maytag. Watch out. Yeah. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I <laughs> couldn't wait for them to get more colors and then... Yeah, it's a ah, vicious cycle. You can't, you can't have too much gear, I guess. At the end of the day. Yeah. No, you can't. At all. At all. And it's. It was funny going for me going through all my gear, and trying to figure out what to really bring. And something that I was able to take away from the whites, which was fourteen days. Um, we came off the mountain for one day. And then went back up. But it's 14 days on the mountain. What I learned on that hunt is the amount of excess stuff that I'll throw in last minute. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, quote, just in case. It's so unnecessary and so unneeded and makes for so much more weight at the end of the trip. I tell guys... Uh, and I'm, I was guilty of it at one time. And uh, I didn't do it here. Uh, I'm good on this trip. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty solid about what I brought. Yeah. Here's a couple things. So uh, 2017, I went on my doll sheep hunt. And uh, I, I had a, my buddy, Calvin, same guy. A uh, few years earlier, went with Bonnet Plume. And I saw a side of him I'd never seen before leading up to hunt. It's a lot of money. He spent a lot of money. Uh, and, and, you know, we hunt. For okay, I'll just use Albertans, Albertans as an example. We hunt bighorn sheep a lot. Where there's, if you book a, if you hunt bighorn sheep, uh, to you know more than just a week at the beginning of the week at the end. If you chase sheep, that's your animal to chase. You are more than equipped. You know what to do for for a doll sheep hunter, a stone sheep hunt. And he used to. He got all weird. He needed to buy a different stock for his gun. He bought him a McMillan stock, and he thought, thought it would shoot, but his few ounces heavier, but it would make his Tika shoot better. He he wanted to get range-finding binos, and he had a range-finder, and he had binos, but, you know, and he was just, there was all these things he was rattling off to me, and I, act, like I told him, I said, dude, just chill out. Just take a breath and analyze this. You don't need to go and buy all this stuff. You hunt bighorns. You've killed two. You're good. You got this. And he still went and bought the stock. And he, you know what? He went on the hunt. He killed a, a 15-year-old doll sheep. Really? 15 years. That's crazy. Kid you not. Broken horn on the left side. Yeah. It still scored 145 without two measurements. Really? And half the length. Yeah. Just a toad. He killed Avery. That was his guide. That was his guide, Avery. And uh, killed it at like 65 yards. So he's got this gun that was going to shoot 500 yards. He kills the doll sheep at 50 or 65 <laughs> yards. Comes so home. so great. It was heavy. Came home and he pulled the stock off and he sold it. He goes, yeah, I don't know why I bought it. And he said, "I, you know what? It's just hunting I sheep. I didn't need it. Yeah. And then last year, a buddy of mine went to Bonnet Plume. And I told him, I said, just keep, you, you hunt sheep. You've got this. You've got all the gear. Don't get all stupid. And he was good till about two weeks before the hunt. And he started buying all this stuff and stupid things, extra socks and extra snacks and, you know, maybe a different sleeping pad. And, oh, man, he did all these goofy things. And then he he actually borrowed a tent from me. It was a, uh, basically, it's like our ultra star, for say, or even a mountain star. And I gave it to me, and he normally doesn't use tents. And I said, dude, you're going to the Yukon. To t- this is in Alberta. You're going to get way more weather. Plan for like an October kind of late September conditions versus Alberta's opener at the end of August, September. He took it and he goes, but I don't want the liner. I said, fair enough. I'll pull the liner out. He took it on the hunt and before he left, he didn't tell me this. I did not know this. He pulled out the floor out of it too. He just took a standalone shelter to the Yukon. He was stuck in his tent for three days. 
Then was he in the summit or something else? It was actually it's, it's a prototype tent that we had. Oh, okay. okay. And that I sent with him. He wanted the lightest thing, and we didn't end up going with it. Um, it didn't suit all the needs. We we went with a different design. Yeah. So it, it was going to be a summit. What it was going to be was a summit one P was what it was going to be called. Okay. So anyway, he pulled this out, this this flooring out of it, and I kind of get on a rabbit hole here, but I'll I'll wrap this up quick. And he gets stuck in a tent for I think, two days at first. They go out, they went the weather breaks. He goes out, he kills his ram. They come back, they're stuck in the tent for like three more days. Well, sleeping pads laying on the ground. It's like the Thermarest Neo X Air pokes a hole in it. Sleeping pad goes dead, goes flat. She's got nothing on the ground. It's raining for three days. Super down bag, sleeping bag. Three days of laying in the ground in the water in the tent. His feet were prunes. Like you just, nothing can withstand three days of laying in the water, right? Yeah. Even a waterproof bag. Well, I mean, you start getting into the realm of getting trench foot. Yeah. And, uh, well, the only thing saved him, he didn't have to go anywhere. So, kind of humorous how this happens, that your guys try and cut so much weight. He killed his ram at 125 yards, and he was out two, three days tops hunting, was all it was. He was so miserable now. Chris comes in and lands. Just before he lands, they look up on the mountain, they see a caribou. He had a caribou tag in his pocket. So, 400-plus-inch caribou walking across. The guide says, I'm not a good caribou expert but i think that's a 400 caribou but chris that's gets a big out. that's a big one <laughs> chris gets out of the plane they hand him the binos and he says chris is that a good caribou chris looks up and goes that's over a 400 inch caribou because you want to go kill it and my buddy goes get me in that plane his feet were so done he was so darn laying on the ground so you you, you can go from that whole minimalist thing it can to one extreme to where you can make you miserable yeah. Right, so you gotta find that balance. And when I went on my doll sheep hunt, I was good till two days before the hunt. Mm-hmm. I didn't go buy anything new. I didn't get all stupid. <laughs> kept it, kept it cool. I had a list. I knew what I needed. And two days before, I cracked, and I was like, I didn't think I had enough calories in my meals for per day. So I went out and bought a bunch of different bars. I bought. I thought, you know what? I don't know if these socks are right. I should maybe have a medium or a thicker pair of sock. And I went and bought some different, like you know, darn tufts, and threw them in just in case. And I packed, and I raced all the way up there, and I realized I forgot my tent cover, my pack cover, sorry, left it at home, and I didn't have a cup. So I go to some store in Yukon, Whitehorse, and I spent like $28 for a titanium cup. Like everything up there expensive. <laughs> and I thought, I had, okay. That's that little one you were that, showing. Yeah, the one I just showed you. I, went yeah. that was, I bought that in Yukon. And uh, flew into camp, and as soon as I landed in camp, I went, damn it, I forgot my pack cover. I forgot to buy one. I was like, ah, you know what? I'll just get a garbage bag from Chris. And like I was telling you earlier, they rush you. They, you know, they're not, they're not rushing in a bad way. They want to get you out hunting, mm-hmm. right? They want you to make the most of your time and be and be successful. And and uh, I freaking raced out the door, and Chris had me in a plane and flew me, you know, right up to basically their far top corner of his concession, right against Arctic Reds, like right at the NBT's border, and I uh, started hunting. And Chris flies away, and I went, dang it, I forgot a garbage bag. So I hunted the whole trip with everything was in dry bags. wet back. Yeah. Well, and that was actually something that I learned in the Whites was I need to put, and we didn't have any rain or any weather, mm-hmm. but uh, Brilski had, Andrew had all of his gear in his pack separated out. Same way, yeah, I do too. Into different dry sacks. And I hadn't actually seen that in person. I mean, I'd heard people talk about it here and there, but nothing ever that stuck out in my head like, oh, I need to do that. And, uh, I looked at how he, he, you know, we sat down in the hotel room when we were on the Tulio hunt, and he broke it down and showed me. And first thing I did when I got home was went and got dry sacks for my pack. 
Mm -hmm. Because, sure, do I have a rain cover for my pack? Yeah. You know, but there's so many other things that can happen and can go wrong. You didn't probably having... cross rivers there, but no, in no. Alberta, you yeah. cross a lot of rivers. Yeah. And you take a tumble, a slip, and you go under. It doesn't matter if you had a rain cover on. Yeah. If you don't have your stuff in dry bags, it's soaked, right? Yeah. And that could be a trip ender, a game changer. So, yeah, I run everything. And all that, uh, I run all my food in an XL bag. So I have every day in a Ziploc bag, but I put all those in that. And then all I have to do is pull that bag out. And I pull day one out, day two, day three, whatever it gets to. And then that bag, you know, we got a lot of bears, like grizzly bears, so we got to hang our food. That bag is the same bag that I hoist up in the air. Mm-hmm. And I never have to, like, transfer and more, you know, like I throw my toothpaste in there, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. You know, and if a guy has to leave his pack outside and you throw your rain cover over, you're good. Yeah. So, we're going to drive to Fort St. John? Fort Nelson. Fort Nelson. And we'll, there we'll board a Cub. Uh, no, nope. it's going to be a Cessna. I'm pretty okay. sure it's a Cessna. Yeah. Okay. It's going to have floats or there'll be a land. I don't know if he's got an airstrip or if we land on the um, in the river up there. I'm not too sure. Okay. So we'll fly in. Mm-hmm. And then what outfit are we going with? Or It's, uh, yeah, it's with the, well, I don't know if he even wants the name set at okay. this point. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, it's totally fine. We'll figure that out. We'll see if he, later if he's cool with. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay, um, no big deal. First uh, plan will be he'll put us into. Uh, there's a couple cabins, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we'll go get kind of throw our gear in there. I'll shoot my rifle. Um, I got to shoot. Uh, we'll be at a, probably the same elevation, awful close to where we are here, at base camp, and I need to shoot uh, just under two inches at 100 yards, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, my turret and my ballistics uh, calculations that are all set out are for 7,500 feet. So, uh, And what are we chasing? Stone sheep. Stone sheep. This is your first stone sheep hunt? My first and only yeah. ever. This is a one and done. Be- so for an Alberta resident, is a stone sheep tag an over-the-counter tag? No, not at all. For a BC resident, a stone sheep tag is an over-the-counter tag? Yes. So that's what makes the difference. Because so many people have been like, oh, yeah, you know, Canada residents get a stone sheep tag. But because you're not in B.C., that doesn't apply to you. Yeah, there's, you know, in certain provinces, you can, well, so B.C., you can be hosted. I could be hosted to hunt certain animals. The one I can't mm-hmm. is stone sheep. Oh, really? Yeah. Mountain goats, caribou, moose, elk, black bear, turkeys, cougars. Dolls? No. no. So, uh, and I'm maybe speaking a little out of turn here, but there's not a high doll sheep population in BC. Okay. So there's what's called a BC slam. Yeah. Okay, so BC has California bighorns. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have stone sheep. They have doll sheep. And so, and they also have Rockies as well. So you get the BC slam. You can get all four. If you're BC resident, you could, for all intents and purposes, kill four sheep. Wow. Yeah. The only thing they don't have is deserts, right? So, and then there's stone sheep. The only place there's stone sheep is, uh, well, Yukon has some, and it's, well, it's really just the Yukon for stone sheep. And, but the issue is, there's all this talk, you've probably seen it with, in the news. The fan and sheep? Well, yeah, they're saying now, and I'm no expert on this, but that the sheep that have been in 
classified as stone sheep aren't stone sheep anymore. But as to, I don't know. Who, I don't now know. is that because they've bred out genetics with doll? Um, I don't. You know what I? I, I mean that's similar to. to what we have a problem with in California and maybe even Oregon. I would say is where anything west of I five they consider a Colombian blacktail. Anything that you might get that has a black tail east of I five, even if the whole tail is black, they won't count those genetics as a full black tail because it's mixed population and there's inbreeding. Uh, I don't think that's the case here. I think they're, what they're saying is is they never were stone sheep. They the were just dolls place. with a lot of black hair on them and gray oh, hair. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, I'm I'm by no means a biologist or any an, an uh, someone that could that could speak to that. But yeah, yeah. There's some I'm sure that could. The uh, the true 100% you're, you're going to go kill stone sheep is BC. Hands down, the truest stone sheep there is to kill. And now what would be your ideal inches on your ram? Um, mine's not so much a game about inches. Mm-hmm. I say that, is but look. I'd, I'd be... Look, I really want that... Uh, I would love to have, kill a stone sheep that has that, to me textbook look of a stone sheep the kind of the lighter grayer face mm-hmm. I think some can have real dark faces right and age is important to me so you're looking for a 10 plus 10 plus would be awesome and if I had to pick or design my what the horns would look like I would love one side to be broomed and one side to be tipped really yeah I love that look I think and then what a, is brooming uh, they break it off fighting trees all that kind of stuff right yeah. you want just for people that don't know yeah, you know what that look is because basically what you're saying is that one side will come to curl and then it'll start going out, which is tipping out. Some don't tip out. Oh, okay, that's a genetic. They'll thing just too. come up straight up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one will come out and it'll be kind of nubbed off, well, a worn. Bit. Yeah, yeah, worn down. Yeah, and they could have done that fighting. They could have. They they'll twist. Look, a lot of times rams will hook horns and twist, or they'll uh, in their fights and they they or they fall and it, and then they just it just keeps getting beat, you know, as they're polishing up and stinking up their horns and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, those. But anyway, so if I had to, if I could draw a picture to what I would want, that's how you'd want it to look. That's what I would want. And that was like one of the rams we shot down. One of the desert rams came out like that. Oh, is that? Oh. It was broomed off on one side. And yeah, some guys don't like that. My doll sheep is uh, is a nine year old, thirty seven, and uh, oh, and if I was gonna draw my perfect stone sheep, would be tipped on one side, like a real pretty side, and a busted up side. And I would love for one side to be more than 37. So 38, 39, hey, anything over 40 would be... You know what? If we come over a top and we look and there's a 40-inch ram that's lamb-tipped both sides and, and he's got a dark face, that, that's going to be a dead ram. But <laughs> No questions yeah, asked. Don't get me wrong. He's 11 or 12 years old. I'm going, nah, he's not pretty. Yeah. And he does one of his sides and brimmed off. I'm not going to pass on him. But uh, no, at the end of the day, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to sound... Um, I, I can't do two hunt. There's no. This isn't a to go back again and kill another one or or not succeed and it has to happen. Yeah. Right. That being said, I um, mean in the duration, we're looking at a 15 day duration for it to happen. Yeah. You know, like start to finish October 1st to October 15th. That's the duration of the. Hunt. And I'm the only sheep hunter in camp. Yeah. And there's been nobody hunting the mountains for four days. Well, like I say we leave tomorrow, but it'll be four full days. Without, unless there's residents, no no pressure in those mountains for four days. Yeah, that'll that'll be nice. That'll be nice, yeah. Yeah. So 
yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited. I'm more excited about this hunt than probably any hunt I've ever done. I haven't done a lot of guided hunts or anything. I, that doll sheep is really the only one. But even hunts around here, this is probably the most, like I say, physically and mentally prepared that I've ever been for any hunt. Mm -hmm. Anything. And yeah, ready to go. Ready to go. I'm it's like the best excited I can. I can't describe how the excitement. It's a good excitement. Yeah. Good. I wouldn't say nervous. I know I got a job to do and we got a job to do and we're going to get it done. Well, you know, it's something, and I'm really excited about this because I think it was after. Uh, the Boss Plume Hunt that uh, Jason went on and they did the video and all that. I think it was Dream Big or was that a different hunt that they went on? Uh, don't wait. Maybe yeah. Don't wait. And he's you know he says three don't days. wait was don't wait was Gundahu. Okay, so that was Gundahu. So in that he says you'll find out in three days if if you love sheep hunting or if you don't. Yeah. And I feel like I figured that out um, in the whites. Uh, this being complete polar opposite style of hunting sheep than what was going on in the whites. But I am so excited for those three days. Like my first three days out there in the wilderness in BC. Not in Southern California wilderness. Right. Yeah, it's going to be definite. It will for sure be a completely different <laughs> experience. landscape and experience. Yeah. And I hope, like, I don't want an easy hunt. Part of the reason I picked these dates was, one, I wanted some tougher conditions weather-wise. Two, I wanted a thick cape. Like, there, they will be haired up. Um, I have a, my friend went to the same outfit last year the exact same dates and he said the hair is almost four inches thick like he's just really? sticking his hands right in yeah and he's like finger deep like it's hitting the center of his fingers he's just getting to the cape in the bottom like yeah you know that's unreal well my big horn is the same way mm -hmm. i should have had shown you how thick that was yeah. I killed that ram on the last day of the season october 31st mm -hmm. yeah beautiful yeah it was a really nice big horn thanks yeah that's out of all my hunts and and any mounts and you know, done with any hunt with anybody else. Respectfully, I say this to everybody or anybody who's listening or would think that I'm downplaying anything I've ever done or with them or whatever. That is by far the number one hunt. That is the number one animal that you will catch me if we're sitting at the kitchen table or in the living room, and that's the animal you'll catch me staring at mm -hmm. by not on purpose. I literally am caught off guard and I'm staring at it and I'm thinking about the moments that went up on, went down on that hunt on the last day of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, what's your, for our food and everything we're eating? Well, for, I mean, we're eating peak refuel meals. What's your most look forward to peak refuel meal? I don't think I have one. I know ones that I wouldn't. That you don't want to eat? Yeah. What one wouldn't you want to eat? That pork and, uh, pork and rice. Yeah, with the teriyaki or sweet and sour. Yeah, sweet and sour pork and rice. Yeah, and okay. I'm not knocking peak sweet and sour or anybody's sweet and sour meal. Yeah. I'm not a sweet and sour meal guy. Yeah. Like, I... W I'm difficult with rice in any freeze-dried meal. Oh. It, you could make that same meal... it like, a quinoa texture. Oh, yeah. See, if you called that, like, um, chipotle mm -hmm. pork and rice, I'd be all over it. 
Oh, really? Yeah, well, first of all, the sticky sweet and sour stuff isn't beard friendly. <laughs> and I don't really like sweet and sour. So <laughs> those are two strikes against it. So, yeah. right, it's you, you know, I'm not going to go out for wings and get sweet and sour wings. You won't see me or sweet and sour wings. Like mm-hmm. how some people get teriyaki wings. It's not my gig. So it's not that it's not good. Yeah. I've eaten them. But I would take that pesto or and or the beef stroganoff. The beef stroganoff, so good. True beef stroganoff should have a sour, almost kind of a pasteurized or a, a fermented yogurt kind of flavor to it. Mm-hmm. That has it. Mm-hmm. And who, who figured that out? Yeah. How do you put that in a dehydrated? I, I just went and toured their facility. Yeah. And got to know them on a way better level. Yeah. And. The amount of time and passion, not just time and passion. I mean, they're, they've been in the freeze dried food industry for a very, very, for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of top of the line industry leading equipment that they use and what, the, what they're able to well, create they're ingre- in their ingredients. It, with well, not only that, they have a food science team. Really? Yeah, that you know helps develop the meals on the food science end. Because when you're freeze drying, there's science to it. It's not just yeah. You know, there's so much more to it than just oh, we're just gonna throw this in the freeze dryer and everything's gonna be, you know, all good. And then we'll put it in the bag, and you guys can add hot water to it when you go. When I talked to it's Bart, right? Yeah, Bart. And we had a discussion there about the meals. And he said a few couple of things. He goes, it's not just that they taste good. That's that's the small part of it. It's the types of fats you're getting. It's the type of protein. It's the lower sodium. It's the less water. And he goes, we, that was engineered. Like we put, we worked on that. That was, we looked at the downfalls in meals that were out there and how can we better them? Mm-hmm. How can we make those better? And I've had taken them on four different hunts with three different people that have never tried them and they just they'd pick some up you know heard me talk about them rave about them (laughs) and i'm not gonna can you imagine how mean you would be to somebody if you said hey try this meal it tastes like dog shit and it tastes terrible and they're gonna take them on like i could not do that i'm like you have to try these i'm not kidding the best thing i've ever tried and for freeze dried meals, you can't top. I don't. I, think I would eat them at home. You can top them. They, in my, in my opinion, you know, all bullshit aside, you know, and and friendship and relationship that I have with them, I think that they are the bar. Yeah. They they came well, into the industry in the last eight eighteen months. They saw the bar, which is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and then they raised it and said this is the new bar and we are the standard I think they said here's where we're going to set the bar and then they went past that yeah and the thing I'll is I agree with that statement all day long the two guys two of the guys and I I kill my I kick myself for not putting up a camera after the first one <laughs> but the second guy that tried it he went his exact words he forgot his spoon he had found a long rock and that's what he used for a spoon mm-hmm. I think he had the stroganoff the pesto or the, the, the fettuccino fredo one of those three and he and I watched him. He's laying on his side, his elbow up in the bag. It just kind of finished its time soaking. He opened up and he took a t- he his first scoop and he goes, "Wow, Mountain House is in trouble." <laughs> first thing he said. Yeah. And then my buddy on that goat hunt, he tried it as well, and he was like, "And again, you just I, I I was kind of not paying attention." He takes his first bite. And he's like, "Oh!" And it was the beef stroganoff. 
and he loves beef stroganoff. Yeah. Like he'll go to a fancy restaurant and order beef and stroganoff. And order beef stroganoff. And he's like, this, this has got that good. yogurt, that kind of fermented kind of yeah. taste to it. And and it is. And the thing is too. Cultured flavor. That culture. That exactly. And then you start looking at the less water you need. Like you, you're mixing these things with 500 mils, 250 mils, 375. It's, it, that makes a difference when you're hiking water to elevation. Yeah. Now, and the thing was, is you eat it and you look at a lot of these meals, you open them up. It doesn't look like there's a lot of food in there. And then you don't have very much water and you're really scratching your head the first time going, man, is this going to, am I going to be starving in like two hours? <laughs> and you eat it and then it almost feels like it's you a get, solid meal for like, and it holds you over. You feel like, I actually say like, it's almost like a, I like it almost like expands in your stomach mm-hmm. and you feel full and mm-hmm. then you're good to go for a long time. And the other thing was any other meals that I've had in the backcountry, some have failed miserably to where I can't choke them down. Some I can choke them down. You are starving for water after because there's so much sodium. And not the case here. You can drink water a night because you feel like just drinking some water. Not that you your body is starving for it and screaming for it. Yeah, it's uh, no game changer. Mm-hmm. Probably the best thing that I've encountered this year for me. Well, there's no going back. I've got a drawer full of other dehydrated meals that will not I'm just going to sell them it's plain and simple give them away to people I don't like I don't yeah. know right yeah take them for extra meals for someone else yeah I ain't eating them I know that <laughs> they're well we don't have to get started the yeah. breakfasts could be called desserts they should put breakfast slash dessert because I would eat one of the the mountain berries or the strawberry and granola f- after supper like boy those are phenomenal yeah it's their 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 breakfasts or their granola breakfasts are my favorite meals. Yeah, uh, the other the skillet's good too. I just it's yeah. a lot of food. Yeah, and like you said, you you struggled with eggs. Period. We fed with one skillet pack. We fed four guys breakfast burritos. Yeah, like Doesn't four me. four guys had breakfast burritos. Yeah, off of one bag of skillet. I I like I said. I could barely, like I was to the point where I could feel food coming up my esophagus. I was eat, to eat, finish that bag by myself. Yeah. But you carry that all the way back and it was like, heck, I was going to throw it in the fire or dump it out. The sausage the chunks in there are really good too. The whole thing was, yeah, yeah it's just lots of food. Right. So anyways, mm-hmm. we'll get into camp. I shoot my gun. You shoot your gun. You're excited. Yeah. It's going to be your three quarter slam. Yeah. What kind of emotions do you have going into it? Uh, good nerves, uh, good and really good excitement. There is always, and I know that any, I'm pretty sure anybody, everybody will have this. There is a set of, and it's a lot of money. Uh, this isn't a cheap hunt. Uh, can I, you know, I think any guy that's married with kids, mm-hmm. could you, could you come back to your wife and, I didn't kill her aunt. Yeah. You know, I, and, I, and I want to go back. I can't even fathom right now thinking of what my wife would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I have the guts to say it. Yeah. You know, so yeah, she's, it's, it's got to happen. So, well, it'll get, I'm going to get it done. I know I will. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, good outfitters, or I want to say good outfitters, let me back this up, reputable outfitters. Will uh, there are some outfitters that will literally shake your hand at the end if you don't see a ram, or when you get eight days or ten days of weather and you only get a couple days to hunt, they shake your hand and say, "Oh, good luck. If you want to come back, let us know, and we'll book in for next year or the year after when they have an opening." Um, this outfitter has uh, is 
uh, gracious or, or kind or just a good businessman enough to where if we don't see a legal ram, I don't get an opportunity and I don't quit on the hunt, I get to come back next year. Yeah. But there's costs that are added with that. It's not yeah. like he's, it's not an all expense paid trip again. You know, I'm still going to buy tags and flights and everything else where this first shot going in is, is that's all included in the price and compass yeah. drink. So, and um, that's the Cessna flight in and correct. all the extras. Yeah. To no, get the end of camp. You bet. Um, but yeah, we're, and I don't know if we'll head out. It depends what time we get in. Be weather, you know, dependent. And there's weather around right now. Yeah. Well, no, the long range forecast is real good for Monday. Oh, okay. Real good for Monday, Tuesday. Like Wednesday, it's supposed to be like 16. Okay. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but that's way warmer than it was today. <laughs> like sunshine. It's cold today. Yeah, 16. Like that's a easy siesta on the side of a mountain type mm-hmm. sunshine kind of a deal. Get your Clamato and Modelo and... <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> I don't do it. I that. love high elevation glassing siestas. Yeah. Yeah, I just get that. You know, your excitement and your glass for 45 minutes to an hour and the eyelids start to get a little heavy. And then it's just an automatic lay back onto the pack and just 15 minute nap. Yeah. And then somebody usually videos somebody sleeping or snoring and then they wake up because people are snickering and back to glassing again. (laughs) So I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited about all this. And not only that, um, a horseback hunt. I have my biggest fear is horses. Really? Yeah. I have zero experience with them. I'm not a real big animal pet guy, and uh, I love horses, but I'm terrified of being bucked off or kicked. And that whole rule of, you've got more experience with horses than I do, but I got a couple of buddies that are extremely horse savvy. And, uh, you know, one guy's a like seven or eight time bronc riding champion, and he said, the one saving grace with you is you claim, not claim, you make it very clear to people you don't know anything about horses because you don't. Mm hmm. And he goes, there's a lot of people out there that think they know lots about horses and don't. And those are the dangerous ones. He said, "We, know, you make it so clear that people know so we know to keep an eye on you, watch you, that kind of stuff. And uh, But you will see me, if I got to walk around a horse, I'm 20 feet away. Like I, I'm not the guy. <laughs> I do that too. Yeah, I just don't. And I think horses feel that. Um, I've been on a couple horse rides. One guy was with one guy specific. And it was his most his best horse he had. His name was Tubby. And this horse was cool. Me and Tubby got along. I think Tubby understood where I came from and had no knowledge. But yeah, I have a huge fear of being bucked off and I have a huge fear of being um, kicked mm-hmm. or bit even by another horse. They can do that too, right? Because they yeah. can be ignorant. And uh, so anyway, uh, that's an, probably the biggest on my nerves of anything is hoping that, and I'm sure an hour down the trail, because I've talked to guys I've, that have hunted here and used the horses and they're like, it's... Like cruise control, there's nothing to do. You just sit back and enjoy the ride. So that's a different view. That's a different pace for me, uh, where normally it's get out of the truck, throw your pack on, get your gear on, and it's go time. And yeah, Trekking you, poles. Giving her. Did you bring trekking poles? I did. Cool, yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't go anywhere without that. Me neither. It, you know, and a lot of guys say, like, on the horses, you get to take more in because you're not watching where you're stepping. You know, the horse just walks, and, and you get to look around and take it in, and... Something I encourage you to do is, and somebody told me before my sheep, my hunt with Bonnet Plume was, he said, he literally stopped me. We were just talking about my hunt before I left, and he said, stop and smell the roses. Take time. Just take some pictures of mindless stuff. 
that you would you know think are because you're gonna look back on that and go wow I forgot about that you know or, mm-hmm. so I encourage you to do that <laughs> oh, I'm gonna do, do that um, and uh, yeah we'll we'll just have fun and there's have fun and get the job done and take it all in at the same time and yeah it's I'm excited to shoot this rifle be the furthest a this is the maiden voyage for this gun and caliber and yeah I was excited to use that and be a boy and being a blue collar guy like I you know I don't come from I don't have a big college education or anything like that just a blue collar guy and and you know I never thought I'd be saying I'm going for my three quarter slam mm-hmm. you know it's pretty epic and here it is it is it's right it's here and it's now and considering that I've been talking for the last two years of doing it. Well, it was funny. You look at my doll sheep. I told my wife, I need to have a five-year plan to kill a doll sheep. And I said that in 2016, at the end of 20, in like September to, no, it was December of 2016. It was mm-hmm. December of 2016. And I told my wife probably two weeks prior to it, I said, I need to have a five-year plan to kill a doll sheep. And December probably 18th 23rd somewhere in there just before Christmas I booked my tall sheep up for 2017 there was a cancellation and and I got in and uh, I said this year I actually said it even last year I said last year even that I needed to start working on figuring out how to do a stone sheep hunt and long story short it's less than a year later and I'm going on a stone sheep hunt right so an opening came up an opportunity to go and we're, we're going taking it yeah seize the day absolutely so we're gonna do the fun thing which is the, I don't know if you want to call it a fun thing right now because it's not gonna be a fun question it's gonna be serious I think it's serious okay um, the dead eye minute I mean you saw earlier the hoodie the hat that I have yeah dead eye outfitters and apparel mm-hmm. right so and I love their shirts I love their hats I love their socks their socks for me are like I always I don't have their socks on right now because I'm in Canada really? and it's cold as shit <laughs> I do I do I, I love their socks that was a sharp looking hoodie I didn't even know you am surprised yeah. that they make socks so they, they totally do like I said it's just an apparel company <laughs> great guys great guys that run it um, so the dead eye question is for you going into this what is your biggest fear like what are you and I don't want to say dreading because I just don't get the sense that you're dreading anything but is there anything that you're dreading going into this hunt dreading like are you are you worried about coming out the other end of 15 days with no sheep oh yeah yeah. yeah, I thought you meant like something literally that we had to do during the hunt that oh, I would no, dread. Oh, no, like, like no, like shit that, that we make up in our heads that maybe could happen, maybe could happen. I'm not thinking about it, mm-hmm. but it's there. But it's there. Yeah, there's that's that's a darn good dead-eye question. It's, it's there, but I'm keeping that out of my head. Yeah. Let's stay positive, and it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to get it done. We're going to get it done. Yeah. Between me, you, and the guide? Yeah. It's gonna fucking happen. Absolutely. The, it's funny. I sat. I chatted with my guide in Bonnet Plume. We're sitting around, and this was like day one. And he said most hunters shoot. And this was a ten day hunt, uh, with Bonnet Plume in the Yukon. And he said most hunters shoot in day five or six. And he said the reason is nine times out of ten, he said, 
they they get antsy. There's only a few days left in the hunt. You're always wondering what weather. You get into the halfway mark. Yeah, and it's the rule I always use. That again, my friend, my good friend Calvin said was, "Don't pass on an animal that you'd shoot on the last day." And he killed that nanny. He was 11 year old, and he was. We it, it, it's there's a long story how this all happened, but he killed his nanny. And then the day it's a nanny, and we were walking out. And he wasn't upset at Portland at this point. He was just, it was right at the time of harvest where he was upset. But a, a day or two later, we were hiking out when we were hiking, doing the hike out back to camp. And I said, you know what, though? Like you said, would you have shot that goat, that nanny, on the last day? And he goes, absolutely. And he said, and you shot it on the first day. And he goes, yeah. And I said, so no regrets. He goes, none at all. And uh, that's really what it will boil down to me. I'm going to be a little picky, but... To a degree. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be some... I'm excited to see some thin horn. Me too. I like big horn, you know, but I'm, I'm excited to see some thin horn. Yeah. No, she'll be an experience. And uh, you, there's a very high chance that you're going to see a grizzly bear, mm-hmm. which have you ever seen one before? Uh, only through glass. Oh, yeah. She's a whole different experience when you're on a horse. Well, I'm not been on a horse, but... Horses don't like bears, mm-hmm. and when you're on the ground too, it's she's a whole different beast. <sighs> I've walked through fresh predator tracks where I hunt in Montana, and come off the mountain and then turn around for evening glass, and seen him sitting exactly where I was eating lunch. Oh, is that right? And that spooked. Okay, me. so you've seen them. So yeah, yeah, through glass. Oh, that glass. I yeah, think like, at a zoo. <laughs> no, 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 gotcha. no, no. I mean, like, through through oh, my binos, glassing I've up had on a, the mountains. I've had a couple run-ins from them everywhere from 150 yards down to 20 yards. Yeah. I've and never been. It, ne- I think I was maybe 1,000, yeah. 1,500 yards. That's a safe distance. That's a safe distance <laughs> from a grid. Yeah. The, so, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I've got a wolf tag as well. Yeah, hope that uh happens as well and uh really good opportunity for you to see a moose and uh again there's a good elk in there as well so mm-hmm. and uh could even see a wolverine but the wolverines can't shoot until november 1st so that's not an option yeah that'd be fun i've never seen a wolverine uh i missed missed one in yukon really didn't bother me at the time yeah. but now it's kind bothering of, you. It, it keeps at me every day <laughs> it is that that's one of the how many how's how many places you go to and see a wolverine mounted not many and it's like, at the time when it happened, I went, yeah, it is what it is. No big deal. It eats at me. I, and it was like a 110-yard shot. Tough. Like, they're like a floating ghost when they run through the tall grass. Yeah. And anyway, it was a rush shot. And we actually had one came into camp two days prior. But I had my gun strapped to my pack. And this was before we had our gun release system. Yeah. So I had it all zipped in and in the pocket and everything. And I was just standing eating my mountain house oatmeal and berries. And I'm like, I looked over my guide's shoulder. I'm like... I was like, Joel, Joel, and turns, he's like, Wolverine, get your, and I was already running to my yeah. pack, and that bugger disappeared on us, we couldn't find him, so I didn't get a shot at that one, which was, didn't bother me, but yeah, two mm-hmm. days later, sitting, eating sheep backstrap on the side of a riverbank, and looking at my guy, and I look over his shoulder, and I thought it was a wolf coming through the tall grass, and anyway, rough shot, didn't get it, and uh, yeah, I, that's high on the list for sure as well. Right on. Well, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Sounds good. And uh, everybody, don't forget, head on down to West Coast Archery. Get yourself at the archery season's over. Maybe you're going to head to Arizona. Go chase some mule deer for late season if you are. Go get yourself some new arrows, 10% off. And uh, look forward to 
the next episode will be in camp. For sure, with the outfitter. Yeah. All right. Right on. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.